You've certainly thought about branding as it relates to your organization. Perhaps you've even thought about your own personal brand. But do you know how to establish a leadership brand? On this episode, the three steps to help you align your message and actions with how you want to be perceived. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 314. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. I'm so glad to welcome you back to the show if you've been listening for a bit. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. A conversation today that's one that many of us think maybe just belongs in the marketing department. But it turns out that as modern leaders, we need to be not only thinking about our brands, but also taking action to develop and establish our brands in a way that's going to serve our organizations, serve the people around us, and of course, be of value in our own careers too. And I'm really glad to welcome to the show today uh, two experts in branding and marketing that are going to help us think about our leadership from the standpoint of effective branding. And that is Emily Sikorsi and Justin Foster. They are from Root and River. They're brand strategists and marketers who believe that your brand is how other people experience what you believe. They're here today to teach us how leaders can leverage the right branding to influence culture, innovation, and customer experience. Emily, Justin, welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Dave. Well, Justin, first question goes to you here because you wrote a book called Oatmeal versus Bacon. So you must know why everyone's all excited about bacon, right? <laughs> yes, right. I give Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, all of the credit for the metaphor. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I read it now. It was written like, I think, six years ago. And I read it, I read it now and again because it's a short read. And there's two thoughts like, wow, this is raw. And hey, this is still pretty good. You know, you go, sometimes you go back, I don't know if you do this, Dave, with some of your early podcasts, you go back and listen and see how far you've come. But a lot of the things I still believe about branding and culture and growth are still contained in that, that little uh, manifesto that I wrote. Yeah. And I think the distinction you make in the book there is really, was really powerful for me of oatmeal is this thing that we all recognize, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of us recognize is pretty healthy and good for us. Um, and yet it's not something really anyone gets excited about. And we often put other things on it in order to make it exciting. And yet bacon <laughs> has this essence of just being fun and tasty and exciting. And it's, you know, there's a whole ecosystem now around uh, bacon. Right. And you really look at that at branding from that, that, that same lens too. Yeah. I mean, the difference between oatmeal and bacon, just playing off of that metaphor is in order for oatmeal to be interesting, you sprinkle stuff on it. Um, that's that, and for most leaders, that's what marketing is. You're sprinkling stuff on the oatmeal. But the way that Emily and I uh, approach branding is much more from the aspect that every business has bacon in it. If they just are willing to do a little bit of inner work, a little bit of self-examination, a little bit of truth-telling. And then when you do that, then, then it's literally in your DNA as an organization or as a person. And that's what then produces the, the, the bacon effect that, that becomes the sizzle and the aroma and the flavor of a brand and all the various aspects of, 
of how brand touches you know humans in the world. I made reference to this in the opening, but there, there's definitely some preconceived notions of branding. And I know both of you think about this a lot. And a lot of leaders, I think, perceive that branding is something that happens in the marketing department and that, that a lot of us have the wrong definition or even the wrong view of what branding is. Emily, where are we missing the boat on this and missing the opportunity to really uh, do branding that matters in today's world? Well, it begins with us. And most people... Whenever we're kind of scanning our business for maybe some opportunities or weaknesses, we like to look and point outward. But branding is something that beautifully begins inside of, of you. So as you said in your intro, you know, brand is really how other people experience what you believe. And when you take a moment to step back, slide back from your desk, and just sort of think about what do I believe and how does that play through? How do other people, how do, how do my teammates experience that on a day-to-day basis? You've already begun the process of branding if you've, if you've done that, that little step there. Because a lot of, of branding is just in uncovering what's inside of you, articulating it, so then you can reflect it back outward and have an awareness about how your brand is being perceived and also the intention of what you're trying to convey. And one of the things that you both see is the belief from leaders that uh, emotion doesn't necessarily or shouldn't show up in branding and not to show emotion. And a lot of us have been tied in this you know, formal business culture of you know, you know, emotions one thing and business is another thing. Um, that's not really true as much anymore. We're starting to see this even with some of the bigger brands. Um, what's changed in the last decade or so, uh, especially in the era of the internet and social media around emotion? Yeah, I mean, there's so, there's so many factors that are at play. What we, what Justin and I refer to as natural forces, that have caused a lot of sh- changes and shifts in the marketing and, and branding world and in the business world. I mean, there we are no longer reflecting manufactured reality. The era of the Marlboro Man is gone. That that is just does not exist anymore. And the reason it's gone, Dave, you alluded to, is because of the fishbowl effect that technology has given us you can no longer present something that is a puffed up cotton candy version of what's really happening and expect that to not be exposed. It is ultimately going to be exposed in the market and it will do tremendous damage to your brand once it is. You can look at Uber. They're, they're recovering from that right now. So we, we are in a fishbowl. You can no longer pretend to be something you're not. So our, really our only alternative is to be who we are, to own it to be messy and to say, hey, this is what we are, but also we're not perfect. This is where what we believe. This is what we're striving for. And join us. I mean, every brand is really an invitation for the audience to join you in what you believe and and come with me. Uh, And that's how we see it. It's no longer a persuasion and manipulation of your audience. It is now inspiration and invitation. I love what Emily just said about, especially using Uber as an example, if you reverse engineer it, if reverse engineer a brand failure or a brand blemish, it's not because of the marketing department. It's because of a leadership decision. If you remember the, or leadership habit or leadership mindset, remember the guy getting drug off the plane uh, on the United flight, that is United's brand now because of a leadership approach that established a set of policies that created that situation. And there's so much pressure on uh, internal marketers, especially like a CMO or a VP of marketing, to to try to just put the best possible shine on 
something that is either not that interesting or actually not a quality product. And as Emily said, you can't do that anymore. What that means is that the alternative is true as well. The closer a leader behaves as their true self and speaks truth and loves other people and adds value in the world, that's a huge brand advantage if they just go do it. But if you wait until after you got all your infrastructure and, and business model and pricing strategy and all that, if you wait, it's too late. You must begin branding now, and it starts with the daily behavior of how a leader treats themselves and the people around them. That's uh, one of the reasons I really liked something I learned from both of you when we first talked of whenever there's an outward problem to look inward. And I know you're both big believers in uh, really branding starting with the leader, not even just the brand of the whole organization, but actually the brand of the leader themselves. And I think the sense is, is that there's a lot of us that think about branding when everything else is done, like the organization's put together, the structure's there, the products and services are there. Um, and, and, and I sense that that's a mistake, that we should actually be starting earlier in the process. How do you, how do you coach people to do that? Well, it takes some courage. I mean, <laughs> without question. We've written about, you know, the only thing missing from your brand is you, is, is the courage to step forward. Because as we were saying, it, it is scary to say, this is, this is what we believe. It feels much better to be talk about your product line. It feels more comfortable because that's what people are sort of expecting. However, when you begin to talk about what you believe and ex- there's a level of vulnerability and that is ex- exposure. And we have been taught if we were raised in the 20th century to really sort of hide that, to put a different image. And that's what is the gap is, is now lessening. And the, the most successful brands are those that have a very, very minuscule chasm between, you know, their public brand and how they operate internally. And it's not too late if we haven't done this, right? No, we're too late. So sometimes we think, oh, the opposite, then, it, you know, if, if you shouldn't wait to do it, then it's already too late. No, you can begin branding from wherever you are, whatever stage you're at, whatever seat you're in in the organization. As a leader, uh, sometimes we work with internal teams where you know the, the internal leader of the team really wants to kind of raise the profile of the team or just build some, some culture values internally with that team. And they can begin from any level and they can begin from any point. It's, it's interesting, Dave, because millennials tend to understand this inherently because they were raised in the 21st century and they have different ideas around their own identity and purpose. And so they kind of come into their first job or their first gig and they're already, they're already working on their personal brand. Yeah. There's a lot for us who are older to learn from that. And, and I think sometimes it can be you know, misconstrued as arrogance or being self-absorbed, but it's really just a shift in their whole perspective that they're going to carry their personal brand with them for the rest of their career. And you know, they do have a shorter term mindset, especially in work, especially if there's a disconnect between the beliefs of the organization and their own values. But you can start on your first day or you can start 30 years in. Uh, we worked with a client. We've worked with a number of clients in their late 60s, those who are launching, you know, second careers, passion projects later in life. I mean, we've, it runs the gamut. Wherever you're sitting, your your personal brand, your brand can, can begin today. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I think a lot of 
uh, a lot of us are probably thinking, you know, listening to this, okay, where do I start to do a better job at that? Because we, we, we've all seen the, the motivational statements. And I, I worked for a company that, you know, you had to learn the mission statement and yeah, be able to recite right. it. And yet the alternative, I don't think is always clear. Yeah, I know one of the, you have three kind of key areas to building a great brand. Um, the what you believe in, what's your mission, and then how do you create value in the world? Uh, when when you start working with a leader, how do you get clarity on the what you believe in? I'm, I'm just curious like what that looks like. How would I know if I have that um, articulated well? So we really dive into core beliefs. And we one of the questions that we like to ask with our clients is, what do you believe in? What did you believe in from a young age that no one ever had to teach you that wasn't from an external source, a parent, a religious background, that it was just something inherent to you as a child that you just naturally gravitated towards or naturally trusted in? That's a deep question, but it really focuses the mind and it also encourages you to connect to an elemental you. Oh, interesting. Um, and what's something, what's an example of some things people say to that? I, um, I would say integrity comes up a lot. I love. Uh, love. Yeah. Love comes up a lot. And what's interesting about love is a lot of leaders, they do want to be more human. They do want to show more emotion, show their true selves, but the culture discourages that. And so they find themselves misaligned. They're, they're literal, their value system misaligned with the expectations of the organization that they're they're helping to lead, which is kind of sad to be honest with you. But we've also had moments where the leader will actually be in the room with maybe it's a group session. And once this discussion has begun, people have that fear at first of, oh, I don't know how this relates to work or my <laughs> my job. Oh. But suddenly the leader will start to share. Well, you know, one of the things I really believe in is is truth. And here's why. Mm-hmm. And you, you can, the energy, the shift in the tone, it is just palpable in the room at the moment, uh, at that moment. And we are all human beings. We are all, we were all children once. We have all had formative experiences that do still impact us and guide us today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be a psychologist to understand that. So it's just a reconnecting and um, people talk about, but you know, people have very diverse experiences answers as well. Some people talk about independence or freedom or mm-hmm. sovereignty. And it's it's beautiful for us to then show them by reflecting back how that does tie to what they do. One of the other things that uh, is key in the building of the great brand is the what's your mission. And this is this is one of those loaded questions. I feel like we all have been told at some point, oh, we need to figure out our mission and our purpose. Um, and And yet a lot of us don't know where to start with that. How do you bridge that in that conversation once you have a sense of what some of the beliefs are in the room or amongst that leader, if you're having the conversation with that leader, how do you get there on the mission? Yeah, I think it's similar to the beliefs discussion. Everything here that we're talking about is kind of stitched together. It's almost like a casserole of ideas and concepts. And 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 so if you have a set of personal beliefs, what we would call intrinsic beliefs, then you also then have a personal mission. And often the outpouring of emotion and that sense of vulnerability and showing up in the room in this type of setting comes from talking about your mission. And most missions come from suffering. 
most people are doing what they do with their mission in life because of the way they were treated as a child, or maybe they had a they worked or, or worked really hard to get into a leadership position because they were like they didn't like the way they were treated when they were young, you know, younger employees. That then goes into the the getting them to talk about what problem does the organization solve in the world? And by its very definition, the problem you're solving in the world is your mission of the organization. But it needs to be, it doesn't have to be 100% aligned. If, if the CFO's personal mission is something different than the, you know, the, the chief people officer or the CEO, that's, as long as they're not massively different, that unified effort to go solve this problem in the world is a force multiplier for brands. What happens is they, they make their mission sound very generic. Mm-hmm. They make their mission sound sort of safe. It, you know, a, a, a camel is a horse designed by a committee. So a mission statement is this watered down, it's not even oatmeal anymore, um, this watered down thing that nobody remembers what it is, as opposed to just saying, here's why we show up every day. Here's what we're here to solve. I really like the analogy used of thinking about mission as something we've had to work to overcome. I'm not sure I'm saying that quite the way you were you just said it, Justin. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how much how that's true for me. Uh, so much early on in my childhood, you know, I was always the kid that was unpopular and you know uh, was always needing to do things by myself. And and now having worked through that challenge and knowing how uncomfortable that was, now being a person that helps people build friendships and build communities and with our leadership academy, and a lot of that is driven by my mission of something that I really wanted for myself of working through that challenge. And and as I'm thinking about it for some of the other people I know too, it's really true. Mission does come from that for a lot of us. Fascinating. Yeah. And, and that actually is a great lead into how to create value and impact in the world. I know that's the third piece of building a great brand. And, and I, I think that's a natural progression from knowing what one's mission is. But the the mission in and of itself isn't enough if it's not adding value in the world. So how do you how does that get articulated and and how do you help a leader or a team to distill that to make sense to people that are external to the leader of the organization? Yeah, the you know we jokingly say that the surest evidence that you don't have a mission is if you have a mission statement. And the same thing applies to to message. If you have a slogan or tagline, you do not have a message. You have a, a blunt force trauma weapon. And so if they have that, um, we deconstruct that again. We kind of burn that down and say, okay, let's go back to the root. And what we end up crafting with the client in the room, so this isn't something we prescribe, it's more uncovered in the room, is a what we call a root belief that is then articulated as a message that, as Emily said earlier, appeals to the limbic mind where the basically the heart, but in brain science, it's the limbic mind where language doesn't exist, only feeling does. And when there's that connection to a belief, it becomes the message that, that then permeates every aspect of an organization from the way that the leadership team communicates internally to the way they employ the messaging to the way that the way that the sales team or marketing or any outbound touch point or any channel, they all use the same, root belief as a message, when you do that, then branding becomes an invitation to believe what you believe. And so in that process of articulation is essentially we're just hammering, what is the truth? What is real? Can you feel it? And I think we've done over 60, what we call root sessions now. And I think 60 out of, or 59 out of 60, somebody's cried in the room because it's this cathartic moment of frustration of, 
oh, that's how you, t- that's how I talk about this company, or that's how I talk about my brand. And it's this cathartic release because you're speaking truth and it's very, very powerful. Ah, you know, one, one thing I'm curious about is what you mentioned about tagline, because so many organizations do have taglines and they've got a mantra. And in fact, we even have one for the show. Leaders aren't born, they're made. Uh, is that always a mistake? Tell me more about mm-hmm. that, because I'm, think, I'm thinking, uh, you know, people would be curious about that and how that may get in the way. I think actually you just said it. I mean, sometimes people's attachment to the idea of I have to have a tagline gets in their own way. And we see that over and over. Oh, I got, what's my tagline? What? You're looking at the, you're, you're working on the wrong problem. <laughs> what do you believe in? What's your mission? And then if you find a way to say that very succinctly, which I will just add to what Justin said about our messages, um, they're usually simple, like, emotional, and a little unexpected, but they're, I, and all of the root beliefs that we've developed, they're probably none of them are more than like maybe 10 words. So they're usually a very simple idea. And sometimes that simple idea does become a tagline or a mantra. And that's great. That, there's no problem with that. But it's more about people's unhealthy attachment to this checkbox mentality of, well, I need to have this. Okay, now it's done. I need to have the tagline. It's done. I need to have a logo. I need to have colors. Yes, yes, yes. And all those things are you do, but our obsession with then branding and marketing being finished is part of the problem. And just over-identification with one phrase um, because we're very diverse. We're very multifaceted. And sometimes I can be a limiter. One of the things I've, I know you both believe is that being humble is not a brand strategy. And I, I, this is something that I, I think about because um, I think about some. Sometimes this may be even a liability for me, and I, I know I've talked to clients that this is uh, certainly a liability for. Tell me about what you mean by that, and how do we get beyond it? So it's here's the great paradox: humility as a leadership trait is an essential, but if you take that humility into the world of branding. It's actually a type of arrogance. It's almost like this sort of passive aggressive passive aggressiveness, which is, hey, we're so amazing and we're so humble. We don't need branding and marketing. It's more be, be humble as a leader, but be simple and direct as a brand. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice, nice. And how, what's an example of uh, someone you've seen that's done that well? Because I, like you said, that's like I would think that's a really hard line for people to walk. That humility. But at the same time, that that directness. What have you seen work? I, I think Zappos has, from the beginning, been very simple and direct about what they provide. The Honest Co. I mean, the foundation of the brand has been around this idea that you should know the products that you're using and you're you're putting on your children or you're giving to your your babies. I think that's an interesting example as well because they've had some they've had some issues with with some of their labeling over the years. And in each case, the leadership, Jessica Alba, who was a co-founder of that company, and the the corresponding leadership has stepped forward and said, you know, we're going to do better. You know, we don't actually think that there was a problem, but we're going to redouble our efforts because that is our brand promise and we still stand behind it. No, we're not perfect. So that's another one that jumps to mind. I would also say, Dave, Larry Merlo is the CEO of CVS. Larry is a great example. I don't know, don't know the man personally, but everything that we can tell by looking at him in his life and the way he leads is he's a humble leader, but he's very aggressive about the brand. 
And it, one of the reasons we bring him up is we were kind of watching one of his his videos it was a behind the scenes and watching him interact with the makeup person and the sound person he was a real human there was no there's nothing pretentious about him and now you look at what cvs is doing with you know they're 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 a transformative or an industry shaping brand and they're competing because of the the the, the i think the way that larry merlo carries himself as a leader and then how that shows up in the customer experience on a day-to-day basis. Fabulous. Oh, that's, that's a great example. And it gives a sense of um, that, that dichotomy, but it doesn't, they're, they're not mutually exclusive, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's about how the leader handles themselves personally, but then at the same time, still being very clear on the brand. And, and speaking of leaders, I, I'm conscious that there are people listening who are the leader in the room. I'm also conscious there are people who are listening who are one of many leaders in the room, or maybe are even more junior in whatever room they're sitting in. And one of the things that you've said is you can brand from any seat in the organization. And I'm curious for those in our audience who are in an organization that for whatever reason has not made a commitment to do this or is not open to do this, uh, how can you get started from the chair at the back of the room or maybe you know your own individual department if that's the case? I think if, as I kind of was speaking about earlier with millennials, they tend to kind of perceive the world this way from the beginning. You have, everyone listening has a personal brand, whether or not you've you've really spent any time sort of uncovering what that is. It is there. It's it's you. It's how other people experience you and what you believe and what you do. And at any point, should you want to dive into that and uncover really what it is what it is and what it's about. I have a background in um, human behavioral assessments. So there's a, there's a number of assessments that can help you get some insight into who you are as a person if you need something from um, a third party of that objectivity. And then, um, you know, you can hire a coach to help coach you on your personal brand. Um, we have a personal branding program, but there's others out there as well. Um, I would just say that it, we really want to encourage anyone to and everyone to go on an inward journey first to determine what their brand is all about. And that's what we really are passionate about, that it isn't about the externals and it isn't about the veneer and it isn't about the gloss and the polish, but about that rough inward journey that ultimately gets you closer to yourself and also closer to who you are as a brand. That will help you move ahead in your career. It will increase your self-awareness. It will increase your EQ. It will increase your business acumen because you'll begin to understand people better. And it will also increase your ability to communicate all of these intangibles that are very um, desirable in any organization. I would add this. If, if you did the, all that, that Emily just said, it's just spot on. If you did all that, and then you begin to look for where can I impact the brand, the organizational brand, and, and it's this, if you become as a leader, the champion of how people are treated, you will grow as a, you will become a brand. Now, you also might get fired and have to go do it someplace else if the culture won't support that. But th- we live in an era now where you can't, simply cannot mistreat people in an organization. Back to Uber, that's you know, the demise of you know, the, the CEO's career and really, really damaging to the brand, the way they treat people. And one of our mantras that we use is it's always good for your brand to take a stand. And if you want to take a stand on something, take a stand on how the employees are treated, how the customers are treated, take a stand on the human aspect of the business. And that becomes a voice that will stand out that it doesn't matter what your title is or your area of expertise. If you, if you 
take on the challenge of adding more love and more respect and more compassion in the workplace and with customers and in the community, that's pretty awesome. That's a pretty awesome thing to do. I really appreciate that perspective, Justin. And it's, um, I, I know everything you've both uh, shared is going to be things that are going to really um, get us a lot of us thinking about our brands and not only how are we showing up personally, but our teams. And I'd encourage folks, uh, if this has generated some new thoughts for you and maybe you want to move forward on this, a, a good resource is to check out the Root and River website. Uh, Emily and Justin have a great set of resources there. And you can get to it at rootandriver.com. Uh, we're going to put all the links in the show notes as well. Um, I know both of you are active on social media, so uh, connecting there will be a great option as well, too. And I was thinking about your website, Emily, Justin, because mm-hmm. that was one of the first things I saw about you. And I really thought your about page was just fantastically done. It was one of the more innovative, creative about pages I've seen um, in introducing people when you've not met them for the first time. It was one of the things that got us connected initially. And I, 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 and I have a question for you about that. I'm curious for both of your own brands, as you've gone through this work, as you've built this company, as you've worked with clients, what have you learned about your own personal brand that is different than what you knew five years ago? Emily? Wow. How long do you have, Dave? (laughs) Life is a journey and it's a set of experiences. So I've learned a lot and working with Justin and, you know, it's not easy to tussle with these ideas and we always try to eat our own dog food. So um, I remember one day early on, I hope Justin will forgive me for telling this story that he kind of challenged me and he said, you know, before we can launch a company, you have to get your brand up to code. And I was, I was mortified. I was just (laughs) absolutely, I didn't know if I wanted to burst into tears or suck them in the jaw. But it was it was a it was tough love and it was really good and I tend to want to work on every help everyone else and you know as a woman in business as a mom as a wife that is a challenge to really look at yourself so I think I learned what my brand is I did that own my own inward journey and to really understand that my my gifts is the same as what my brand is which is translating emotions into words and you know I believe that when you do that, amazing things happen. And that's luckily what I get to do every day with Justin and our root and river team. So I think it was really finding that. And also once that was solidified, finding new ways to express it and share that and be a little bit more bold about how I do that. Thank you. Justin, how about you? What have you learned about your brand in the last five years? I would say that, you know, as I, I said to Emily, that it seems like a hundred years ago, you need to get your brand up to code. She did not use these exact words, but I did learn them from her that I needed to get my humanity up to code. I have been a hard charger, alpha, aggressive person for my entire career as a both first in corporate sales and then as a branding coach, brand consultant. It really hasn't been until the last two or three years that I realized the role in what we do of compassion and empathy. And one of the things that that I have very much invested in in my own development is telling my story of overcoming what I've overcome and what I deal with. So I, I am I am probably at sometimes more too too much of an open book about what I believe and what I've what I've experienced. But it's driven by this idea that I can't live in a day to day basis with my heart closed off to the world because someone might get offended or someone might hurt me or they don't like my advice or whatever. I can't do that anymore. So I just 
crack it open and let it flow out. And in doing so, I heal and learn and grow. And, and I think our clients benefit from a much more, a much more, uh, a much more human driven Justin than they would have five years ago when, you know, I was full of spit and vinegar and thinking I was hot stuff for writing a book. I, I just, I'm not that person anymore. It's almost dramatically different. And um, Emily has a lot, a lot to do with that. Well, thank you both. And it's funny hearing you say that, Justin, and having read your book, I, I, I have a different experience of you having talked to you a couple of times and having read the book. And it's it, the book, of course, you wrote several years ago. And uh, I see that shift just in interactions uh, with you here recently. So it's fabulous that uh, that that's happened. Empathy is such, a, such an important thing for us in leadership and branding and marketing, really everything mm-hmm. in human relationships, isn't it? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. Yep. Emily Sikorsi and Justin Foster are from Root and River. Check them out at rootandriver.com. Thanks to you both. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you, you Dave. Very much, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Emily and Justin. Those three steps again. Number one, what do you believe in? Number two, what's your mission? And number three, how do you create value and impact in the world? If you can follow those three, you're well on the path to beginning to establish your leadership brand. And another way to get clarity on those is to get input from others and perspective from others and coaching from relationships with others that care about you. I am thrilled to share that starting today, September 11th, 2017, applications are open and being accepted now for our Coaching for Leaders Academy. And they will be open just this week until this coming Friday September 15th, so just five days, you can discover more right now and you can apply by going to coachingforleaders.com slash academy. The Coaching for Leaders Academy is an exclusive year-long leadership development cohort. It's an intimate group of participant leaders who work personally with me to develop leadership excellence and to empower each other. If you are a manager, executive, or business owner who is ready to accelerate your leadership skills, who's seeking objective perspective that you can't find internally, and wants to build a team of trusted advisors to provide regular coaching for the toughest situations, the Coaching for Leaders Academy may be for you. Now, every time we open up applications to the Academy, I get a bunch of questions about the logistics of how we do what we do and the outcomes and the experiences, and you'll find a lot of details on that on the page for the Academy, Uh, but I am also wanting you to experience more of what it's like to be part of the Academy. So this week, I am inviting you to get a taste of what an Academy session is like. I'm hosting a live, free, virtual forum this week. You are invited to join other listeners and me live via video conference to experience a virtual forum that's titled Objective Perspective for Results. And you can reserve your virtual seat right now by going to coachingforleaders.com slash forum. I'll be hosting the virtual forum three times this week on this Wednesday Thursday, and again on Friday. Now, here's what we're going to be doing during the hour. You're going to get paired up uh, by me with one to two other leaders in our listening community 
to get objective perspective on one challenge you're handling right now. And you'll get more details on that when you reserve your seat for the forum. Plus, you'll get the chance to give perspective and coaching to others. And we're going to be doing this through HD video conference using the same technology that powers the Coaching for Leaders Academy. Now, I should warn you, this is not a webinar. (laughs) Do not expect to show up and listen and get other things done. We're going to be learning from you in real time, and you'll be learning from us. It's going to be the collaborative coaching we do regularly within the Academy. So if you wanted to experience how that works within our Academy sessions and discover a taste of how we facilitate that in the Academy and more details about how the Academy works, the logistics, uh, the assessments we do, the peer mentoring, I'm going to be sharing all of that during the hour as well. So here's where you want to go. Go register here, coachingforleaders.com slash forum. And I'm going to be sharing some more information here this week on the podcast feed. So be watching for some more information coming up. Uh, so again, for the forum, coachingforleaders.com slash forum. And if you want to start uh, digging in and learning about the Academy in detail, you can also go over to coachingforleaders.com slash Academy. That's also the place to apply. And I really look forward to meeting you personally this week, uh, virtually and getting to interact with you live. I can't wait to see so many of you. Now, uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, I'm so glad you joined in. You may be wondering, what's this Coaching for Leaders Academy? Hey, I hope that you will at least go over to the coachingforleaders.com website and just set up your free membership on the site. You'll get access to my free 10-day audio course titled 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. So if it's your first time listening, go over to coachingforleaders.com, just set up your free membership, and I look forward to getting started with you uh, that way so you begin to get the wisdom and lessons from this show over the last six years. Now, a few related episodes to today's conversation on Leadership Brand. Back on episode 133, I had my friend Heather Backstrom on the show. We talked about the five elements of your personal brand. If you're thinking about branding from a personal perspective right now, episode 133 is a wonderful starting point. And then, of course, this uh, today's conversation, uh, expanding on that to a leadership brand. So check out episode 133 for that. Also, episode 148, The Four Stories You Need for Influence. David Hutchins was on that show. One of the key, key elements, of course, in branding, and we talked about it today with Justin Emily, is the power of storytelling. And David, in that episode, walked us through what are the four stories that every leader should be able to tell in order to align well with your leadership brand. If you haven't heard that episode, I think it's a must listen for anyone in a leadership capacity. Go to episode 148 to check that out. And then also, I'd recommend episode 189, How to Stand Out with Dory Clark. Dory Clark's actually going to be returning to the show soon. She was on on episode 189 talking about how to establish your brand in the marketplace and also how to establish new ideas and stand out. You'll find a ton of creative ideas in that episode and frameworks for how to do that. She's interviewed some of the most successful people out there and figured out what they did and then articulates that in episode 189. Go to coachingforleaders.com slash any of those episode numbers to get access to them. Next episode, I'm so glad to welcome back to the show my friend Scott Barlow. He is the host of the Happen to Your Career podcast. He's going to be returning to the show to discuss that term that all of us want. It's so elusive, work-life balance. We're going to talk about it next week. Scott will be returning. Have a fabulous week. I look forward to seeing you this week on the live virtual forums. Coachingforleaders.com slash forum is where to go. See you then.